0: one
1: two three hi this is hope this is Chris. hi this is katie from washington dc and you're listening to no meat
0: FD. radio hey everyone welcome to another episode of no meat athlete radio doug hey how are you doing i'm doing fantastic Beautiful day here in North Carolina. It's a good spring-like, or almost summer-like. I think it was 80
2: degrees here today.
0: Yeah, and it was hot yesterday, too. I went for a run yesterday and had to walk during it because it was so hot. Wow. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, not that it wasn't so hot, it was just that I went from running in the cool to running in the hot. It seems it we skipped spring. It went from winter to summer here. And the humidity has been high as well. Yeah, Yeah. but I'm not complaining. I like it. Way better than gray and windy and cold. (laughs) All right, so what we are doing in this episode is the same thing as we did last episode of No Meat Athlete Radio, and that is playing clips from some of our favorite No Meat Athlete Academy seminars. The reason we're doing that is because the Academy has just recently turned one year old. We're going to be relaunching it uh, in a way that we think is going to make it easier to join for more people, uh, and we'd like you to be a part of it. So we're playing some of our favorites just so you can get a little taste of it. And last time we had... Two different seminars that talked about food. We had Mike Arnstein, the fruitarian, incredible ultra runner, and Sid Garza Hillman, who's a nutritionist and author, talking about their philosophies of eating. Mike's somewhat more extreme than Sid's, but kind of both heading in the same direction. Uh, and it's it's a diet personally that I'm that I kind of think is is pretty close to optimal. Um, I, I tend to want. To include a little more fat than than my does, but but this diet of extremely high raw fruits and vegetables making up a large portion of your calories, plus some cooked food here and there, not a lot of oil, if any, uh, some nuts, seeds, avocados, things like that providing the fat. But very simple diet, but uh, and very high raw. But but one I think is not all that hard to adopt when you actually try it. In this episode, we're going to talk more about. Uh, the practical side of things. How do you actually adopt a certain diet or how do you find the time to do whatever it is? If it's get passionate about marathon training or even get passionate about, who knows, starting a business, something just totally outside of fitness. Uh, we, we've got an epi- our, my friend Jeff Sanders, who actually happens to be my accountability partner. Um, we've got an episode of him talking about time and his, his way to create time or free up time really comes from starting your day earlier and creating this block of me time in the morning. So we're going to get into that with Jeff. And then we've got another one coming up after that. And by the way, I should not neglect to mention that, that all the seminars you're hearing, these, of course, are just small segments. They're they're 10 to 20-minute clips of seminars that actually range from an hour up to three hours in the case of Sid Garza helmans They are all in, available in their entirety inside the Academy. So people who do join when we reopen uh, or relaunch, they'll be able to get access to all these things right away. So I uh, just want to make sure that that is clear. So let's get to Jeff. Um, and he's talking about what he calls the five a.m. miracle. It, it's the name of his site podcast. He was a guest that we had uh, last year on, on No Meat Athlete Radio, and uh, we'll be talking about about how do you implement this this getting up early thing? Why do you do it? And uh, and what 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 are the benefits? And, and how can you kind of streamline it and make it make it work? All right, so uh, it's no secret that you're that you're a big fan of getting up early because uh, your stuff's called 5 A.M. Miracle. So, wh- can we just get started there? Like, what? First of all, why? Like, what? Like, what's why the morning? Uh, I guess as opposed to the night, or, or just you know, what what has this morning routine done for you, or have you seen it done for other people? Just waking up early, and and then kind of the the how to like for someone who wants to to get started with that. Where where do they begin?
2: Great questions. I think the the first one is you know why is a phenomenal question because you know five a.m. can be really painful and nobody really wants to wake up early unless they have to or unless they've got a really good reason to do so. And so for me, the, the kind of my five a.m. story began with a desire to work out before I went to work in the morning. That's where the whole thing began. I wanted to wake up and and have my morning routine be more effective. And I thought that you know if I wanted to actually ha- make time for fitness. I wasn't going to be able to do so unless I woke up and did it before work. Because at the time, this was by two years ago, I was training for a marathon and I could not find a way to work out after work because I just got distracted. I got busy. And, you know, life happens later in the day. And so if I was going to make time for marathon training, it was going to happen before work. And that's when the 5 a.m. thing really kicked in for me personally. I realized, wow, there's a lot of power behind this. Like if I wake up early, I have time to do the things that matter the most to me. And so, to me, that becomes kind of the crux of the reason why you'd want to wake up early. It's not just because you know the sun comes up early, although that's nice, or because somebody else has done it. It's because it's going to have a personal and really powerful effect on your schedule and your goals. And so, for me, it was it was in the beginning, it was for fitness. Um, it's now transitioned to more so that I, I do it for personal development reasons. And I do so for you know dietary choices, and my morning routine has become much more you know complex, and a lot more things happen now in my routine, but. As far as reasons for doing it, it really starts with, you know, when will I have time in my day to do the things that matter most to me? And for most people, that time happens early before other people are awake in their house, before they begin their day officially. Uh, the, that early morning you know, time period when the sun's just rising or maybe it's still dark outside, usually you're the only person awake in your house. It's, it's right when all these beautiful things can happen if you intentionally plan for it and you want that to be part of your day. And so in terms of, you know, why would you want to wake up early? You'd want to do so because you have something that really matters to you, and the best time to work on it happens to be really early in the morning. Okay.
0: I like that a lot. And I think that's that's way easier to get behind than, than like, you know, thinking that you need to get up in order to get all your things done. Like, like, I should get up so that I can check this and this and this and this off of my list, things that I should be doing. Um, but, you know, ha- having the time as, like, this is my time that I get to – pursue something or, you know, or, or get other stuff done that allows me later to pursue something that I otherwise couldn't have done. And, and especially never has this been truer to me than since I had kids. I mean, that, you know, getting that time that is yours, uh, is, is so valuable. And I can totally see how, how the morning is, you know, that's, that's, if you can make it work, then that's, that's the time. I mean, it's wonderful when you can get over that tired feeling, uh, and actually be awake during those morning hours. It's really, it's just an inspiring, quiet, productive time for a lot of people so i guess the question and we'll dive into this is how do you how do you get get so it's not you're not just a zombie the whole time and and you're not just wanting to go back to sleep
2: yeah, that's a great question. But obviously, like, you know, it can, like I said before, it can be very painful to wake up early if you're not used to it. And so what I always say in my podcast, which is Simsie, always the, the true statement here, is that if you want to wake up early, you have to first go to bed early. Because 5 a.m. is pretty arbitrary. And if you wake up at 5 a.m. And, and you've had eight hours of sleep and you're well rested, then you're already beginning your day. You know, and, and I said this on the podcast, too, like your 5 a.m. miracle could be a 6 a.m. miracle or an 8.30 a.m. miracle. It doesn't really matter when you wake up. The point is, is that you're intentional about it and you have planned your night before with that in mind. And so like for me, for example, if I have a 5 a.m. wake-up call, I need to be asleep around 9 p.m. Or okay. sometimes it's 10 p.m., but the idea of at least seven to eight hours of sleep a night. Mm-hmm. And so knowing I have to go to bed around 9 to 10, I need to end my evening, let's say, around 8 p.m. Like I have a personal boundary where I say at 8 p.m., I turn off the computer, I turn off the phone, and I plan to go to bed. And then when I do that consistently and I, I'm going to sleep around 9 or 10 and wake up at 5 a.m. In the, in the morning, I'm awake at 5. The alarm goes off and I'm ready for it. And I wake up and I say in the podcast, I bounce out of bed. And many mornings, that's true. If I'm excited about my day and I'm well rested and I want to you know, get my day started, then, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. And 5 a.m. is awesome as opposed to being terrible. And right. so where it really begins is that intentionality and that planning to say, here's how my eating routine is going to go so that that leads into the morning routine.
0: Okay, I like that a lot. I imagine that's a place where a lot of people slip up. I mean, like, you know, first of all, there's, I know I've personally tried the thing where I say, okay, for now on, I'm getting up at six a.m., but I don't even bother to change bedtime. I just still try to do the same bedtime as before, but now I'm just going to sleep less, and that's certainly not very sustainable at all. Uh, but beyond that, like you said, even if you do decide on a, a, uh, an appropriate bedtime, that you have a deadline or a space before that where it's at this point that you begin preparing for bed, because I would imagine that that is what most people skip. That yeah, Maybe they try to move bedtime up to 9 o'clock instead of 10 or 11, but if you haven't adjusted the rest of your evening around that new bedtime, then it's not really going to be very useful because you probably lay there staring at the ceiling. Yeah, and
2: a lot of people I know that the evening is usually pretty busy too. Like if you've got computers and iPads and, and you know, all this stuff going on, the TV is on, your family is up. It can be really difficult to go from that to being asleep very quickly. So you really have to have that that time period where things do slow down, where you spend some time reading or spend some time, you know, meditating or doing yoga or something that's going to quiet your mind and allow you to go to sleep and, and be and be ready for sleep when it's time for sleep. And that's that's really the idea behind it.
0: Okay. And that's what I was going to ask next. Is there like, is there something that you particularly do or recommend that people do fill that time with? Or is it kind of just like whatever, whatever works that doesn't involve electronics?
2: Yeah, I think that once you, once you turn off the electronics, really, you can do whatever you want. I prefer to read in the evening. I think it's the best for my, my – it keeps my brain still moving without me being really up and active. Um, I've tried doing yoga in the evenings, and I like that as well. Uh, but just anything that quiets your mind that you enjoy where you can get some value out of it, I think that's really the best activities. And, I mean, and there's no doubt that electronics will, will – you know they, they flash the light in your eyes, and your brain literally stays awake because of that. And so you want to do whatever you can to do activities that don't involve those. And so going to bed is a lot easier from there
0: right okay and i'll add two things that i have heard and i don't know how true they are but um i know tim ferris in the four-hour work week talks about reading fiction before bed instead of nonfiction because he says for him you know it get non gets his brain sped up and thinking about all these ideas and like you get excited whereas fiction i mean even the best fiction can kind of lull you to sleep depending on what type it is i guess but uh you know that and i've experimented with it to some extent i can't really get myself to read fiction for long i just i just kind of get bored with it but you know I've heard that 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 works well I've also heard a lot of people who who seem to be achiever types uh who get a lot done have a lot of energy. they suggest not having if you're gonna drink alcohol, which a lot of them suggest not doing at all uh having it not within like two hours of bedtime so yes. probably not something to put in your in your winding down hour even if that does help you wind down. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean the idea. With, with the thing with alcohol is that, like, yes, you'll be at first. It's it's a depressant, so yes, it will kind of slow you down. But then you'll actually have lower quality sleep, and so the idea there, yeah, you want to do it. I say at least two hours a day before you go to bed for sure.
0: Okay, great. All right, good. So that's that's the night before. Uh, then what about what about when that alarm goes off? I mean, what's is there any other preparations? Because I know when people like are going to run the next day, I've heard that you can overcome some of the hurdles by sleeping in your running clothes or putting the running clothes right next to your bed so that there's as few obstacles as possible between you and getting out the door. Granted, not everyone needs to run first thing. You might have a different routine. But anything like that or do you recommend anything like that?
2: Oh, definitely. I, th- I think the, the real hurdle in the morning is the fact that you're probably still a little bit asleep and your brain's kind of in that coma mode where it's, it's harder to think. It's harder to be motivated right at first. And so the, the first thing I recommend is have a really good plan in place to ensure that you are overcoming your natural tendencies. Uh, so for me, like it, it begins with a, a written plan. So I have my productivity task manager. I have my, my plan for the morning written down already. Plus, I have the other things in place. So running clothes are, are laid out, bottled water ready to go to drink right first thing in the morning. You know, whatever those things are that I can put in place to make sure that I'm going to overcome those natural desires to go back to bed or to not think as clearly or to kind of say, "Ah, I'll skip the workout today. Like, I want to make sure that I'm not going to to lean on those, you know, those comfort mentalities and really instead say, like, I'm going to stick to my schedule because it's pre-planned and I've kind of guaranteed my own success by having the things in place that I need for my goals. And so no doubt the first thing I do is drink water in the morning because that's one of the very first things that really wakes me up and allows me to to think more clearly. And then I also take my dog on a walk, which is a great way to kind of get my body physically moving. Uh, so that also helps me wake up. And then I have kind of a little more energy and excitement to begin my day when I get back to the house. And so I think having just kind of a few things you do first thing when you wake up that allow you to overcome that uh, is really powerful.
0: Okay, good. I like that a lot, especially with getting yourself moving. I think that's a mistake I've made a lot. Is I mean, you know, for me, it's like – that's not the first thing I want to do when I wake up. It's a lot easier to like say, okay, I'm going to read first or, or do a little bit of writing. But I think when you drastically change your physiology quickly like that, just by going from sleeping to moving, uh, it has a, has a way of sort of jump starting your your day and perhaps kind of training you that that when it's time to wake up, that it just trains your body to wake up because you get accustomed to waking up and then rather than lazily easing into the morning, actually kind of springing into action and, and doing something.
2: Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you really do want to bounce out of bed with enthusiasm, uh, you, you definitely can do that, especially if you have a plan in place to, to, to move your body. It's a really good point that, that it is very effective. And, and even if you follow up like you know, a morning walk with like some time to read or meditate or do yoga, you're still allowing yourself the time to at least have, you know, I'd say like 20 to 30 minutes of, of being active, of moving around the house, of taking a walk so that you are more physically and mentally ready to do your next activity for sure.
0: Right. And then – was it you who used to or maybe not maybe you still do um, talk about water before coffee that that was like your your rule that I'm still gonna drink coffee, maybe, but I'm gonna make sure that I always drink water first.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much a caffeine junkie, so I have to kind of be really cautious not to have too much. And so for me personally, I always make sure I have a full liter of water that I drink before I have anything else in the day. And so that is my personal rule that I, I don't touch caffeine uh, until I've had a full liter of water, which really does help. It's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal way to hydrate. And that's, your body needs the hydration so much anyway that it's a great way to begin your day with that. And then from there, yeah, I have an espresso, and, and then I kind of get my jump start from there. But, yeah, it definitely starts with water.
0: Okay, great. And then you mentioned actually waking up. Um, I think you said wake up call, but is like what what method are you actually doing to wake up? And is it have you learned or seen anything like is it effective to have a single alarm go off one time or the kind of gradual wake up over a period of half an hour with something that you know gradually gets louder or anything like that?
2: I really do not do well with a gradual wake up. I I, I tend to, I think it just makes me more lazy, it Uh makes me think I can postpone my first choices of the day and just kind of lay around and kind of just wait to start the day. Mm -hmm. I don't like that process. I think for me personally, it has worked the absolute best to, when the alarm goes off, I get up and I go. Uh, Uh I personally have two alarm clocks, one by my bed and one across the room, so I have to get up anyway to turn off the second alarm. Uh, But at this point now, it's so habitual that I don't even, I don't really need the second alarm, but it's still helpful to have it to know no mentally like i still have to get up at the very least i have to get up to turn off the alarm and that really does kind of force me out of bed and allow the day to begin from there
0: cool these are great tips already i'm like i feel like there's so many i don't know there people who will will take this and and i think some people will say well i don't need to i'll just do one one will be plenty but like i think if you actually do take all these steps and do them it seems like you kind of can't i mean you can still fail i'm sure but I don't know. Like I would, Little things like that sound really important to me. Like, have two alarms. Just well, now, That's the
2: idea. Really, you really want to have a, a fail-proof system. And right. it, when you have that in place... Like, in the past, I used to have this coffee grinder that was uh, had a timer on it. So I would put the coffee beans in the night before. And then at 5 a.m., this thing would go off. And it was the loudest, <laughs> craziest, most ridiculous thing you've ever heard. Like, you cannot sleep through this. And so that's what... I, mean, I needed that to guarantee that I was definitely going to be awake and up. And so if you have that fail-proof system... In your life, that's gonna make sure that you re- actually do what you said you wanted to do,
0: right, gotcha okay, great so so at this point we've we've taken action the night before, and you even mentioned planning your first actions the night before as well. Uh, I, I've heard that same thing said for kind of subconscious reasons that like it kind of gets your brain at least let your brain know here's here's the things we're gonna be doing tomorrow. So if you feel like it, go ahead and get started on those tonight while you're sleeping and just give me some new ideas in the morning. Uh, but, but I've heard several others have said the same thing, plan, plan your day the night before as much as you can. Um, so let's say, let's assume then we are awake and it's 5am or whatever our, our chosen time is. Then I guess it's time to think about like, what, what is this morning routine going to be? And how do you construct this routine? Cause I personally have a thousand things that I wish I could do every single day. Uh, and I would love to cram into a morning routine, but have never been able to make that work because probably because I'm trying to do too many. So. You know what sort of elements should be there, um, and certainly there will be some some judgment things here, and something that matter more to one person than another. But is there any kind of a basic structure to a morning routine or anything like that? We've mentioned starting perhaps with movement, but anything. Yeah.
2: I think the best way that I, I structure my day really, in the morning routine really depends on when the routine is going to end and, and kind of backtrack from there. So, for example, if you know you have to be out the door by 830 to go to work, then your your routine really starts with a backward playing session from there. Say, so, well, to be out, out the door by 830, I have to have had breakfast first and got my workout in and had my shower. In, and whatever it is you would like to accomplish between your wake up time and your leaving the house time or your beginning work time, you really take that chunk of time and ask my, ask yourself, like, what can I put in this time period that's going to be the most effective for me going forward. And I put a really strong emphasis on energy that really is the core of my morning routine. So everything that I do is designed to give me more energy, whether that's you know drinking water, walking my dog, having espresso, my morning smoothie, morning exercise, like energy is the theme and so everything leads to that. But you may not have that same mentality. You may say, like, my morning needs to be focused on, you know, doing a most important work project for the day or, you know, meditating and doing yoga or whatever it is that you you want to make sure your, your morning revolves around. That's the central focus. And then everything is, you know, practically designed around the time frames you have to work with. But that's the key is to know what you really care about and how you can make that happen without having that, that you know, that guilty feeling that like, oh, I could be doing, I could be journaling and reading and running and you don't want to have a thousand things because you're going to go crazy. It's a lot better to keep things really simple.
0: And I have actually gone crazy, so I can vouch for that if you have too many. <laughs> <laughs> that that will do that. Um, yeah, I, what I would add to that is what you said about make sure that whatever your, your reason for getting up, that it is really important to you because... I mean, there's nothing easy about this. Maybe it becomes easy, but but making a, a drastic change like that, um, you know, it's not necessarily an easy thing. But I, I think that if if the whole feeling you associate with it is, I get to wake up and do this amazing thing that matters so much to me, then that's so much different from saying like, you know, well, I could be way more effective at work if I just spent this extra hour in the morning doing work stuff. So it feels like I need to get up and go to work, and particularly if it's a job that you're not thrilled about. Uh, and it's just like, do something i feel like so that's another thing you should do and and need to do rather than as you said at the beginning kind of kind of taking this time whether it's an hour or whatever it is and making it your own time and and really doing something that, that really matters to you with it
2: Yeah, I know a lot of people who have, let's say, like, a a day job where they do one thing, but they have a personal side project they really care about, but they don't have time for. But that's, like, you want to write a book or, or start a blog or do some other thing that, like, really is important to you. A lot of people find the morning hours are their only time to actually work on that personal project. And so that becomes the focus, and they work out later in the day or something and yeah. so if you really decide like what that thing is to you that matters the most, I find that the morning hours are probably the best time in the day. Just at least guarantee like one hour of time to work on it, and that's really all it takes you know just some chunk of time that's focused and committed to that activity, and then you'll get those results from there because you actually had time to work on it
0: yeah and and you know little little bits at a time, even if it's half an hour or an hour when, when you put that into a habit that lasts for a year or two years, that adds up to a lot of time. I mean, that, that adds up to a serious amount of time. And then you've got the whole – so I know Jeff and I both – we're both fans of, of Darren Hardy and his book The Compound Effect, uh, which is about this exact thing. That You put it in little chunks at the beginning and you don't really see that any progress is happening, but you kind of accumulate this this body of work, so to speak, that that after a year goes by or two years go by, you've put in a ton of time. Uh, and, and you can create some pretty amazing things. I mean, this, I know this is how I started No Meat Athlete. I was getting up, I was in grad school at the time and I would wake up instead of at seven, I start getting up at six and I would just do what it took to churn out a blog post like every single day back in those days. Um, and, and you know, over after the course of a year of doing that, it's like there's a whole website now full of posts and Google sending traffic. So not everyone wants to start a blog, of course, but the point is little tiny things can, can eventually lead to, to big, big changes down the road.
2: Definitely agree. I think that's one of the, the best benefits of a morning routine is that you do have time for those things that you otherwise wouldn't have had time for. And because I mean you're gonna have a morning routine every single day, whether you choose to or not, if you make it intentional and that and that time you know adds up, then you definitely get big results in the long run.
0: All right, so that's Jeff Sanders of the 5 A.M. Miracle and uh that that relatively short clip is part of a much longer hour and six minute seminar. Uh, we do get into to Jeff's approach to diet. He ends up he actually has smoothies for his first two meals, so we talk about that uh and then just some more general productivity tips because that's really what what Jeff does, and we're not opposed to having that sort of stuff. like we said last episode. The academy isn't just about food and fitness. Uh, it, it's about this becoming this best version of yourself. And if that includes being super productive in your work, even when that has absolutely nothing to do with, with what you're doing for fitness. And it certainly could if you, if you use that extra time that comes from productivity, uh, to, you know, make healthier meals or put in longer workouts, uh, but it doesn't have to. And that's, that's totally fine that we're not entirely about food and fitness here. So, um, that's Jeff. And next up is kind of still on the same theme of of uh, you know creating time by by being smart in your choices but this one specifically focused on food. It's with author Heather Crosby who's the author of uh, the cookbook that came out last summer called Yum Universe, the website of the same name yumuniverse.com and Heather is great about meal planning which is really the focus of the seminar. Uh, but in this clip we're going to get into some of the tips that she talked about. She had lots and lots of time-saving tips. As well as things, I don't know if you call these time savers, but uh, the idea, Doug, of like soaking nuts and beans the night before, and just kind of always being on a schedule where you're always soaking something. I know that's something that you are, you know, that, that kind of resonated with you is just sort of a uh, interesting tip. Yeah, I would say that out of all of the seminars that we did with the Nominee Athlete Academy, out of, out of all out of all twelve of them, this was the one where I got the most actionable. Uh, tips that 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 my wife and I actually put into action on a daily basis mm-hmm. and um and you know i just, I think that those they they do save time, but they also make it uh, these simple things that you can change and and set up on your daily routine can make a big difference in the how you're actually putting the healthy eating into action and what steps you're taking and and saving time there. So uh, I really love this seminar. I like Heather's philosophy, and I'm I'm excited that we're going to share it today. All right, let's get to it.
1: At least considering changing the I'm too busy mindset, um, that there's not enough time to cook, uh, it's really important to make health and what we eat a priority And um, there's a quote by Michael Pollan that I really love, um, and the the gist of it is basically over the last decade we've somehow found two extra hours to be online, but we say we don't have time to cook. And when people tend to say that they're too busy, I really think that if they just were to shift priorities a little bit, they'll find a little more time. Um, We just have to give more weight to the goals that we want um, and the life that we want for the long term versus what we want in the moment, whether that's our favorite TV show or some kind of distraction online or something like that. Um, I don't think that meal prep and planning um, should always be a meal prep. And then the eating should always be something that happens fast. I know very well what busy is like. Um, but I also know how slowing down a little bit, how how healing that can be. So just before you start anything, just really wrap your mind around trying to get comfy with, with letting go the glorification of busy pretty much. Um, that's a really good first step, I think. Um, but with that, I do have lots of tips for saving time and, and stuff like that when you're planning your meal and then when you're actually your, your weekly meals. And then when you're actually starting to cook them. Um, so let's see, depending on how new you are to, to meal planning, again, make sure that you're only doing a couple days, um, a week to plan. And then every week, something you want to consider is to try to get in the habit of soaking something, Um, soaking legumes and nuts and seeds is a great way to help make sure that you're assimilating all of the nutrients. And I know that a lot of people say they don't have time, so they're going to use canned chickpeas, for example, and that's okay. Um, but it's nice to start practicing getting in the habit of soaking something. So at least once in the week, soak something, um, you can rinse it and then store them even uncooked in the fridge until you can get to them and cook them um, or you can soak them and then when you go to bed at night you can put them out in a bowl and put a little towel on top and go ahead and get some sprouts going but try to do something that's a little more out of the box like that um, and and try to get that to become a new habit and then you're going to want to make sure that you have some cooked ingredients on hand, like cook the chickpeas, cook lentils, cook some grains, buckwheat, rice, whatever, and just keep it in containers in the fridge because in a pinch you can always grab an onion and some garlic and some pepper and veggies and either saute it or marinate it and toss it all together in a bowl with the cooked grains already. And this is, um, I really like to keep seasoning mixes on hand for this reason, like I always tend to have jerk seasoning or some kind of fixings for an Asian style sauce, taco seasoning, Montreal steak seasoning, something like that around. Because especially like this past couple months with writing the book, I've been too busy to come up with really creative meals for myself. But in an effort to get all that color and variety in, I just take all the veggies that I have in the fridge, toss them um, with you know, cooked grains that I already have or chickpeas and the seasoning mixes. And you can put them in a wrap if you keep tortillas in the freezer. You can put them in a bowl. You can make them into a salad. You can add veggie stock and turn it into a soup. Um, If you really just prep and keep all of these individual ingredients around, have the seasoning mixes, you can throw together meals really easily.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. And one thing that I would add as far as the way to do that um, is, is like if you're going to – if you're making beans for something or if you're making lentils or if you're making rice or quinoa or whatever, just make more of it than you need and then you'll right. have extra that you can put either in the refrigerator or for longer term, you can stick it in the freezer for the most part and it might take a little more planning on your part to, to remember to pull it out ahead of time. But uh, I mean doing that is great and that can that can change everything. I mean as far as like what you choose to eat when you haven't really planned um, right. and then when that meal becomes – like one of your healthiest that you eat, which which for me, that's how it has kind of become. Like the one I don't plan is actually when I eat the healthiest because if I'm planning, then I'll go make some sort of fancy, you know, Issa Chandra Moskowitz thing that has right. Satan and oil and all kinds of stuff. But if I'm not, I'll end up making this, the whatever frozen bean, whatever frozen grain, and then whatever vegetables. And and as you said, mm-hmm. sauté them with some sort of seasoning, like some sort of theme, whether it's barbecue or Asian or Indian. Sure. And that, that ends up being... A great meal and it tastes good too but Mm -hmm. it's just it just it comes together very very quickly but it requires that you have some of that stuff because you can't just i mean i suppose canned beans would do or or some kind of instant rice thing but for the most part that stuff if you want it to be really healthy then it's got to be it it should be yeah exactly Mm -hmm. so so why not just when you're making that stuff just make more than you need and then put it aside
1: Right, you can put it in the fridge or you can freeze it for later. Um, a lot of times you can you can say that your produce is starting to go bad, you haven't gotten to it. You've got broccoli in there that's starting to look a little on the sad side. You can just cut it up into um, little pieces, put it on a cookie sheet and put it in the freezer and let it freeze so it's in those individual pieces and then you put them all together in a bag or container in the freezer so it's not like a broccoli football later. <laughs> right. um, do that with chopped onions and you know lemon juice all kinds of stuff like that um, i tend to keep a lot of those silicone ice cube trays in the freezer and i'll freeze individual serving sizes of all kinds of things that make life easier like i'll take coconut oil and pack the cube with herbs like rosemary sage and thyme and then fill it with coconut oil and freeze those because you can then just toss those in a pan with vegetables and you have instant dinner in like 10 minutes. Right. Um, I'll take chili and soups and freeze little squares of those too cause you can use them to top tacos or in salads or veggie bowls and then hmm. start to think outside of the box too with that stuff. If, if it's flavorful and it's liquid, you can use it to dress a salad or a toss with veggies. Like a lot of times I'll make a huge salad and I'll just use salsa um, as the dressing, you know. I like, yeah, that's great. Um, so just start thinking outside of the box. Soup, sometimes you can just melt down a couple cubes of soup that you've frozen and toss that with vegetables and some buckwheat or some rice, and it makes an awesome veggie bowl. Um, I also always save scraps. Like whenever I'm prepping food in the kitchen, I keep a bowl near me that has a lid and I toss all my veggie scraps in there, everything, even lemon peels and, you know, the mushrooms and everything, and just keep that in there, freeze it. And then at some point in the week, when you have an hour, boil it with water, strain it. And if you want it to have more body, you can blend a little bit of it and add it back in. But Freeze those, in, freeze that into individual cubes, and you've got veggie stock ready yeah. for cooking quinoa, buckwheat, whatever.
0: That's um, fantastic. We do that exact yeah. thing, and uh, the the one thing that I would add is that we also, if you're if leafy greens, like if you have some spinach, and our problem <laughs> is that we, we buy these massive quantities of these things right? in these big boxes, and they always without fail go bad. Uh, just I mean, it just seems like no matter how fast we eat them they go bad unless you want to buy the the tiny little servings and then they, then they're really expensive. But as soon as the spinach starch looks bad, we just throw it in the freezer and then we use that for smoothies throughout the week, just add a few handfuls of it in and you don't taste it. So I, but I love your tip about like taking a little bit of soup or chili and then using it, not as leftover soup or chili, but as, Mm -hmm. as an ice cube sized portion that, that makes a taco better or something like that. Yeah. Right. Right. Great. Um, okay. So, I mean, that's, I, you know I think that's that's kind of uh i don't know it's it's a different kind of time saving approach you know it's not that's not something you do in the moment to make your meal prep faster it's just like kind of a, a the always be soaking idea or or yeah. always be making extra ideal idea something that you do ahead of time that makes that then makes the later cooking really easy
1: because I think that's the reality um you have to you have to plan to make this work um you have to make it a priority to really make this work. Yes. You, you, you just have to prepare. You have to. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, what about the meal planning itself when you're, when someone is, I mean like what if you're just stuck and you, and you're saying I don't, because I I've gone here before where it's like I sit down to plan meals, but I have 30 cookbooks in my house and Amazingly, I can't find one thing that looks good in any of them. It just feels like I can't find anything that I really want, and I, you know, there's so many recipes to choose from that it's just too many. Um, anything in there? I mean, is is the basic answer just having your kind of list of go-to recipes and then pulling from that, or anything else that would that would get someone out of that sort of paralysis situation where there's just too much, you're just overwhelmed, but at how much there is to choose from?
1: Do you think that that's – I find it hard to believe that you don't have favorite recipes <laughs> bookmarked I do, you or know what? saved. Maybe I, it's just the day. Maybe it's just not a good day to meal plan. Like if you're yeah, not feeling it, you're not feeling it, you know? Yep.
0: Yeah, of course. I, I, I know that – I mean the answer in my problem is that I, I like never want to do the same thing twice. I just I just always want a new meal that I've never had before, and I think okay. that, that's my problem. So I don't have the favorites that I keep coming back to. Um, although I ultimately do, because that's once, once we have nothing that I end up saying, okay, what can we make in half an hour that, that we know is reliable? So, um, no, but I guess the only, the thing I found for dealing with that is to choose a theme sort of idea and say like, okay, Mm -hmm. so, so on this day, I'm going to have, or not this day, but this week, I'm going to try to make some Italian food or, or, um, we have a bunch of zucchini in the garden. So I'm just going to look up zucchini recipes. And once you have that little bit of focus, that, something to to narrow down 95% of the recipes to to say those are out and now i have to to look up zucchini in these books and see the few choices i have then it becomes very easy for me to to choose because it's like now i have this this constraint to my to my planning and i and i can do it very easily then
1: i think that's an awesome idea um I would maybe break up a theme like that into maybe a couple days of the week. So you have maybe two or three themes, just so you're not eating nothing, you know, Zucanies. but tomatoes, right? Yep. You know, the whole week. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a great way to start. Definitely.
0: Yeah. Cool. All right, so um, let's get into a few more of these of these, just kind of specific things. And I think these aren't going to apply for everyone, but um, for the right person, you know, a tip like like hopefully what I think we're going to have here, uh, can just be a lifesaver. It can just kind of change everything. So I want to first go back to what we mentioned earlier, the idea of cooking for someone who – like if you're cooking for a household of different diets, and I think the very obvious one that, that comes up most often, at least for me, who I people I talk to, is if someone wants to become vegetarian or vegan and their their spouse or significant other or roommate or whoever that they do the cooking for doesn't want to do that. Right. So – what what do you do and and similarly i mean it might just be picky kids who who don't like a certain ingredient um what what's your what's your approach to doing that to cooking different ways for one person is it just kind of developing recipes that that work really well for
1: that pretty much you start from the most difficult scenario and and if you make that if good good food is good food so if you make a really tasty recipe that everyone likes then you can you can serve that and easily Add animal products to that once you're getting close to wrapping up or halfway through, where you don't have to prepare all the different meals. Um, most of my meal plans can all of my meal plans consider this. And in the tips with each recipe, I offer up what proteins can animal proteins can be added, where you can add cheese or eggs if you want. But basically, if you at least with my recipes, I can speak to the fact that they all are. Tasty to start with, and then you prepare them. When you're like 90% done, you can add a pre-roasted chicken or some cheese on top, and then you're not having to create a bunch of different meals.
0: All right, so that's Heather Crosby. This was the seminar that made a Heather Crosby superfan out of my wife. Uh, <laughs> she she listened to the whole thing and uh, just then became, like I said, a superfan. She got the book. Um, Slight, slight crush on Heather, I would say. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that that seminar is an hour and five minutes long. We ended up also talking about uh, the meal planning side of things. We talked about her take on controversial foods, where you you know the, you hear different opinions on soy oils, gluten, uh, and not all our guests certainly have the same opinion on these things. Because uh, that was one of the common problems that people have have cited just in their their healthy lifestyle is how do you deal with conflicting evidence on. Foods. Well, I mean, there's no there's no answer. We don't have an answer. Like here's here's the uh, the litmus test that you apply that immediately tells you <laughs> it's good. In fact, actually, Sid did have a uh, have something like that where he basically said like how how close to natural and would we have recognized this as food a long time ago? Right. Um, but you know Heather gives ways in here on what she thinks about soy oils and gluten. Uh, they're not the same as every other guest. But I think just kind of by sorting, th- just listening to people that you trust and hearing their opinions without any real agenda trying to push you one way or the other. Uh, I think, for me, that's that's how I make those decisions. So we go into that. Uh, as I said, the meal planning component is a big... And Heather actually offered up uh, a meal planning template that she uses for Yum Universe and a shopping list that she also gave to our members. And that stuff, along with these interviews, is available inside the Academy. So one question that I could see someone asking at this stage is, why, when we're putting out a free podcast, uh, more recently, twice a week, not just once a week, uh, why, when we're doing that, would someone want to pay for... More stuff, and uh, you know, I'm, I don't want to try to like push people into joining the academy. That's really not the point here. Um, in fact, I think what we're trying to do here is really just show you what it is, and and hopefully show you in what way it is different, so that you can decide if that's for you. Because honestly, it's not going to be for everyone. Uh, you can hear from from the tone of these inter- interviews and just the the depth that we go into that they're not like the typical podcast interview. The point is for them to be. About learning, about information, about stuff that hopefully, when you're done listening to the interview, uh, you you say, "Here are the changes that I'm going to make as a result of this," and now I have this little bit of a blueprint for how to do that. And then I've got a Q and A with with the guest or with whoever next week uh, to to kind of refine and and figure out where I need to go. That's that's a really different experience from listening to uh, you know us be idiots for half an hour on this podcast. <laughs> uh, it's that the podcast is meant to be light and fun and entertaining. And it is, and we don't look up figures, and we don't verify facts. Uh, often, we don't even use facts. We just kind of. Well, if we say it, they become facts. Right? Yeah, of course. So, uh, I, you know, I think I think that's that's the big thing. It's a it's a totally different experience. While it's audio that makes it easy to compare to the podcast, but uh, it's really it's it's very different. So that's that's the reason. Uh, and there are there's other stuff. I mean, there's. We, we had some for, we had a forum section in the beginning uh, when we launched the Academy, ran into some problems with the platform, so we ended up getting rid of that. But as part of this relaunch, when it comes back, beginning probably May 1st, uh, we'll have some form of uh, forums back in place, so that there will be a kind of a connection aspect that you can't get with the podcast. But anyway, the point is, it's not, I, I, I realize people are going to compare the two, but that's not really the point. Uh, the podcasts are going to keep being churned out. Hopefully, we'll keep up to a week. In fact, I'd love to do that. Uh, and they'll keep being what they are—fun and light—and hopefully sometimes informative. And the academy stuff is going to be more in depth, more about action, more about info and learning. And you know, I think you get the point. Okay, so we should acknowledge at this point that this has been a little bit different from a typical No Media Athlete radio show. The past two shows have—we're we're talking about the academy, we're promoting one of our products, and that's how for the next week or two until until this thing is relaunched. Uh, we're gonna keep focusing on this a little bit uh, but after that it'll go back to normal and you know after the first week of may or something we won't probably mention the academy except for now and then little things but right now it's just something that we're doing during the relaunch and uh we appreciate the people who are listening to it and uh considering this because it is how and it's how we keep bringing the podcast and the blog to you so so far we've managed to keep reliance on third-party ads in in the blog and the podcast to a minimum uh instead we rely on readers to support it and uh, i really like that way so i hope we can keep it that way for as long as possible all right so that's uh that's what we've got as we've mentioned a few times i'm really excited about this one next week is going to be rich roll week on no Meat athlete radio we've got two different episodes coming with clips of our academy seminar with him Uh, so like I said nominati.com slash info is the place to go to get updates about the academy Um, otherwise we will talk to you next week with Rich Roll that's right looking forward to it